Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham, in here with me today, Amadou So, Dan Galinsky from King James Gospel. How you guys doing? Yes, sir. <laughs> doing well, man. Doing well. Thanks for having us. Well, tonight we got a few things to get into. We will start with the Road Back episode two that came out Tuesday night. Uh, basically just going over the bubble life. We saw clips from some of the scrimmages that went on in there. We also got to see some off-court activities. We got to see the Colin Sexton golf swing again. So that was nice. Um, do you guys have any thoughts from that in particular? Um, well, just just a couple of thoughts from that. Um, in the in the well the episode or whatever, you just heard the word foundation a lot, chemistry a lot. So it's nice to see that JP Pickerstaff, the coach, is actually trying to you know build an identity here in Cleveland. Um, and also in a couple clips or in a, several clips actually, you saw Kevin Love just around the young guys. So it looks like he's starting to take that mental role kind of. You know, being that adding that vet leadership that we've we wanted him to have, which kind of leads me to believe that he's kind of content staying here in Cleveland. Uh, just a complete 180 of how it was before the trade deadline. And uh, yeah, just team bonding things we've seen from them, looking to build that team chemistry. Overall, I liked it. I liked it. So, Dan, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, that's Amadou really um, was all over that. It, it was good to see. Um, yeah, you see just. Uh, to me, it was just J.B. Bickerstaff just seems um, like a hell of a leader of men uh, and a guy that definitely seems like he's uh, that he'll be here for a long time. And it's it just what jumps out from that is it's for the first time in a while, it seems that um, the Cavs head coaching position is pretty solidified. It does kind of feel that way. And. Overall, J.B. Bickerstaff, like you said, is just he's a leader of men. And really, anybody who hasn't seen it, I think the first episode was about 13 minutes. This one was in the low 20s. Yeah. Um, really, really worth the watch if you just want to see the Cavs play because, again, you did get a little bit of scrimmage footage in there. So definitely worth your time if you haven't seen it yet. Um, we'll move on to something else here. Um, talk a little bit about just general NBA news. The NBA sent on a memo to teams about fans and arenas. Uh, people within 30 feet of the court must have two negative tests in days prior to the game. All NBA fans above two will be required to wear masks. Obviously, that's not a surprise. Same with social distancing. And um, teams will have the option to install plexiglass behind the walls, or, or plexiglass walls behind the benches, I meant to say there. So it's looking like, really, even at the very beginning, the, the NBA's plan is to have fans in arenas. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, but um, I probably will not be one of the people who attends these games. 
but overall, you know, I guess good for the NBA for, you know, adding another way to get a little bit of extra money. But is it really worth it to, you know, do all this testing prior to a game just to go? Um, I mean, if you want the NBA experience, sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm not specifically going out of my way to, you know, have two negative tests before I can go watch an NBA game. I just don't think that's worth it. Um, but I feel like, you know, for how, you know, the NBA is letting fans back in, it's obviously very cautious. I love it. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't see myself going out of my way to really go watch one. Yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know, I'll debate it, but it's, you would think that there's just going two games right now is that you're just uh, possibility of getting it is, is just, you would think just skyrockets. Yeah, just with the with the indoor facility, you know, compared to a football game, which is all outside of whatever right. else. Exactly. But it'll definitely look weird if they do have fans, but just again, be with that plexiglass wall that could potentially be there. And obviously there aren't going to be fans courtside. So watching games could, will definitely be weirder this year. Um, assuming that, you know, everything goes smoothly, even if, if things do go smoothly, it will still be a different viewing experience this year. With all of that, we can get into a little bit of actual Cavs news. Um, talking about Tristan Thompson here a little bit. The Lakers, Clippers, and Raptors have all shown interest in him. Obviously, we've talked about Tristan Thompson in the past here. You know, we don't need to go into his situation too much other than there are teams that are interested in him. How much they're willing to pay him is a different story. But today we're going to look at a few other options that the Cavaliers could pursue in free agency if Tristan Thompson were to leave. So we will start with the first of three players being Harry Giles, a 22-year-old unrestricted free agent out of Sacramento. He's unrestricted because he had his team option declined by the Kings. Hasn't really had too much of an opportunity in Sacramento. Obviously, he was coming off of, I think, an ACL and an MCL injury initially. But he has shown flashes, someone who plays with a lot of energy. Um, an underrated playmaker at his position, too, You know, has shown the ability to make some flashy passes. Amadou, we'll start with you on this one. What is your take on Harry Giles as a player, and how would you like his fit in Cleveland? Um, I love Harry Giles, and honestly, I love him on Cleveland. Uh, a lot of talk out of Sacramento is that he's actually been playing better than Marvin Bagley, a guy who they spent a, a top two pick on. Again, a guy with great length. I think he's 6'11", with like a 7'3", wingspan. Um, as you said, he is kind of an underrated playmaker. Um, only thing is, he hasn't really shown much of a shooting abilities, but I mean... That's not really something to that would back me off of him. Uh, I, I'd love the signing, honestly, if the Cavs were able to do it. I just don't know. I think, you know, maybe Sack would look to keep him around. But, yeah, again, I, I'd love it. I don't remember why Sacramento declined his team option. I don't remember if you guys – I don't know if you guys remember why I, that was. I don't know. But um, what kind of market do you think he could command this year, Dan? I, I like Giles, too, and uh, – I mean, yeah, he's he's not a guy that you're considering a floor spacer, but didn't have a, a ton of opportunities um, in Sacramento. But um, he's a guy that has kind of an underappreciated uh, mid-range touch, um, kind of one of those guys that can hit it out of the short roll. Um, good athlete. You, you are a little bit concerned if he can hold up physically um, due to those injuries before. But, uh, I, I mean, it's... It, to me, I think he's a minimum guy. Um, just honestly, that's just my opinion. Um, I think he's a good uh, – would be a, a guy that you'd strongly consider uh, because he's young. Uh, I think there's potentially some starting upside down the road for him. Um, I, and is as you alluded to, um, 
underrated underrated playmaker um, has good feel in that way. I think he's a pretty I think he's a pretty intelligent defender as well. Um, and I, I would definitely I, I think there's a lot more upside to him than than there is say like a Jordan Bell, but but yeah, to me I he's a guy that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't think would cost much. Uh, I, I think he's a minimum guy, though. Personally, I'm kind of in the same boat as you there. I think I think if Harry Giles as a player, if you just if you know he's going to be healthy and he's going to be on the floor, it's probably a little bit more than that for me. I think you know he's someone who you can look at with you know half your mid level, maybe you know somebody in that range per year. But just with the injury risk and just other uncertainties around him, I'm I'm not sure that I'd be willing to give that much money to him. Yeah, Abdu, where are you at with that? Yeah, I'd agree. I feel like, you know, he's definitely around that half mid-level exception type of player. And if I were to, you know, give him a contract, I feel like it'd be a, what, multi, maybe a multi-year deal with a team option or something in between it, just in case, you know, again, he does have those injury concerns. Even though he did play well in limited minutes, you know, it was also limited minutes. So we don't know how he could play in a 25, a starting role at that 25 to 30 minute uh, type of player. So I'd agree with you guys there. Here, here's maybe uh, maybe this is a little bit off, but if there's maybe that's a guy that you kind of work out. And I, to me, I I think he I don't want to discount Harry Giles. He's he's got potential, but honestly, I could see him get it maybe being a, even a two way guy. Mm. Um, I, I just I just question if he can stay I, healthy. I, I think mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I, know I think he's going to get more than that. I think he's. Yeah. He's gonna get an offer from somebody somewhere. I think he's he's too good of a player, even if he is an injury risk. And just overall, you don't know if he's gonna be able to stay on the floor. But I see him like if I, the contract that kind of popped into my head for him was like a three year deal, like slightly above the minimum, with like a non guarantee on the last year. That's more of what I could see. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. His, I'm not. I'm not saying. Being. I'm not saying I'd bet on him being a two way guy, but I don't think it's completely outside the realm. Of possibility. I, I don't think it'd be outside of the realm of possibility. But I think he's he's too intriguing of a player to you know somebody would be willing to offer him a step above and give him at least you know at least one guaranteed you know full season. I'd we'll see. Maybe you know. We'll move on here. We got a couple other guys to get to. Or, Sorry, what were you saying? No, like I just say, like I'd give him a similar contract, maybe three, maybe four million dollars. Oh. Just something around that range. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, we'll move on here to Nerlens Noel, who is the second guy on our list, a 26-year-old free agent out of OKC. He had a great year off the bench for the Thunder this year, playing behind Steven Adams. Overall, a limited guy on defense, you know, stuck into a, a dunker's role, basically a, a good lob threat. Um, somebody who has some switchability on on defense, he's not going to be you know switching one through five or anything, but does give you a little bit of defensive versatility. Um, overall, I think he's someone who's going to be looking for a at least pretty nice contract this offseason just because he's been playing on minimum deals the past couple seasons in OKC. Dan, where are you at with Neurons Noel? How do you like him as a player? I like him. Again, I, he's another one that I like. I wouldn't say I love, um, but defensively, he's, he's a – Real impact player. Um, I, I like him for the Cavs a lot. Uh, I think he's kind of that guy that maybe you could, I'd say maybe like two-thirds of the mid-level could be feasible for him on, on maybe a two-year deal. Um, another guy that there's, I mean, there's going to be some issues when it comes to health, but um, or, or there's at least that's a good possibility, you would think. But it just 
really instinctive player um, defensively. He's he's a guy that can kind of be that um, anchor, it, at least from a reserve standpoint. And I, I mean, we didn't see him a ton last season, but I think Noel could kind of be like a John Henson upgrade, I guess, in backup minutes. And honestly, I thought Henson played well when he was here. Um, and Noel's another guy that, uh, as you touched on, is is basically a lob threat, um, dunker roll guy, but uh, another one that could be uh, a, a putback type guy, has good feel in that way, um, athlete vertically, plays the verticality. Um, I, I like him. Uh, all significantly more than Giles. That's just, that's just my take. Yeah, I think Giles is obviously he's younger. He's twenty two. I think he's more of an upside play if you're just looking to take a swing on a guy. But I think if you're looking for someone who is going to make an impact right right away, of those two guys, Nerlens is definitely the guy you go with. And I think, like you're saying, I think something in the range of like two years, fourteen million, I think would be enough to get him. I don't. I mean, he made four million his cap last couple of years in Dallas. Mm-hmm or his last year in Dallas or whatever, and then he's been making a minimum these past two seasons. I think two years at $7 million a year you know, is something that would entice him. I don't know if he's going to get a whole lot more than that. I think Cleveland is a position in a position where they could offer him that money, especially if Drummond isn't long for here. You know, That's somebody who can be your, I mean, you know, maybe not franchise center, but someone who is capable of starting or coming off the bench for you at a, at a fair price tag. So, Amadou, where are you at with New Orleans? Yeah, I completely agree. That number is actually the one I was thinking of in my head. Two years, just about $7 million per year. Great rim protector. You know, he's a great lob threat, um, which is uh, the type of players who the Cavs have been looking for to better custom or better accommodate uh, Darius Garland. Again, you guys really said everything. I, I love him. Um, I like him more than Giles. I don't know if it's significantly more, but I do like him more. And, yeah, another guy who I'd, I'd love the Cavs to sign. We'll get into one last player here. We got Aaron Baines as the third player on our list. Thirty, He's going to be 34 years old here soon. Uh, played for Phoenix this past season. Had a really a great year in Phoenix, at least in the first half. He kind of tailed off a little bit, and obviously he didn't play in the bubble when they went on their big run. But um, showed the ability to really stretch the floor this season. Shot 35% overall from three, which... I think that there's some concern that maybe that won't hold up just being, you know, the the weirdness of his shot, you know, really just being a complete push shot that doesn't look good at all. Defensively, likely going to start to slip as well, I think. Um, some, obviously, he's just getting older. He's going to be 34. Um, his foul rate was really, really high last season, higher than seasons past for him. Amadou, where are you at with Aaron Baines, and what would you think about the possibility of him playing here? Um, well, if he was you know, maybe five years, four years younger. Uh, I definitely look to it. But at 34, again, you said his defense is going to start to slip. Um, he did have a great season stretching the floor, but, I mean, I don't want to say that maybe that season was an anomaly. I'm, I'm not too sure. He hasn't really been that much of a threat there. I don't think that's a guy that I like more than Giles or Noel. You know, he, of course, he does bring the spacing ability, but it's just defense is it's what I really want. And he's kind of undersized at the center position, only 6'10", Compared to uh, what the thing Giles and Noel are both seven footers. He's six ten, but he's a tank. Six ten. Well, yeah, he's like what two sixty or something like two sixty five. So yeah, something like that. Yeah, but again, he's gonna be thirty four. I, I feel like that's just. Uh, I, I feel like I'm. I'd pass on a on a Baines, and plus, I don't know at thirty four if you'd want to come to Cleveland. Anyway, I think maybe he'd look to, you know, try to win one more ring, uh, for his career. Well, he could try to win a ring. 
Or he could be playing with his potential boomer teammate if Matthew Delvadova comes back. True, 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 true. Off the bench, they could create a nice little duo. Yeah, like it. Dan, where are you at with Aaron Baines? Um, if the Cavs want to bring in Aaron Baines to help coach Bigs, I guess defensively, maybe. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on Aaron Baines. Um, just uh, it, the defensively, he's he took a huge step back last year. I, I mean, he was pretty capable defensively on inside in Boston, but I I question like was that really Baines or was that the fact just that the overall Boston system? Yeah, I, I just like Boston big defenders I just I have my doubts about because they're so capable on the wing I I, I don't read much into that um yeah Bane's hard pass uh I mean he's he's probably a guy that you would think would look to go to a contender um like to me I think he's like a, a tailor-made warriors target um that's just my take I think he's a guy that is probably a good guy to have in the locker room. Um, I think for the Warriors, though, I think it could be a guy that they kind of look at that could maybe help Marquise, Chris, and or Wiseman for the Cavs. Um, not not much value, really, to me. Yeah, I think, obviously, I mean, he has value as just a being an impact player off the bench, but you're probably going to have to pay him. You know, if you, if you want to get him to come to Cleveland, you're probably going to have to pay him close or not, or in the entire mid-level exception. Uh, you yeah, can probably do that I on a one-year deal, but I think there are definitely cheaper options out there than trying to entice Baines. I just like the thought of the the Delhi Baines pick and pops. You know, that's going to be that that would be that would be you know raining threes from Aaron Baines for days. So. I, 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 I'm holding on to the hope of, of that possibly coming along. And obviously, we'd have to re-sign Delva Dove in that situation as well. Before we move on, um, just one more thing that we got about the Cavs as far as free agents go. We talked about this a little bit in the group chat before the podcast started. Um, the Cavs are reported they were reportedly ready to pursue Jeremy Grant in free agency before his bubble performance. Obviously, that put him out of the Cavaliers' price range. But... Um, Maybe the Cavaliers saw something coming with Jeremy Grant. Um, any takes on that? I know we had talked about him in the past as someone who obviously isn't going to be in the Cavaliers' price range this year with it seeming more likely that Drummond is going to opt in. But um, any anything to add with Jeremy Grant? Um, I guess the Cavs are fortune tellers. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like at this point, like any doubt that we had about Andre Drummond opting out, like – do you guys have any doubt left that that no, will happen? I feel like all of this is just a small screen. Maybe he's just trying to, you know, nudge the Cavs on to give him an extension. I, he's going to accept it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't know what planet he'd be on not accepting that. I, I just, I really don't. Like, the reports of him being genuinely undecided about it were, like, two, two and a half weeks ago. At this point, I don't know what he's waiting for. I, I, I don't expect him to opt out of it. Maybe he's waiting for the draft to see if they draft a center or not, and that'll influence the decision. But um, honestly, overall, I don't. I don't even think it would influence his decision anyway. Like it's like the places where it's feasible that have cap space could very well draft a big anyway. I mean, it's true. I, I, like I, okay, the Knicks probably wouldn't, but what what's he's a? It just seems inevitable. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you're right. I mean, I don't know what his plan would be there. Charlotte more than likely drafts either Okong or Wiseman at that point. You basically have the Knicks, which 
the Knicks are trying to trade for Russell Westbrook or James Harden or whoever else, so they can't really tie that money right. up into Andre Drummond. So, unless you know, maybe he wants to take twenty twenty five million dollars less than he would if that player sent to go to a contender. I, I I just really don't see it. Yeah, Andre Drummond on a on a vet min for the Lakers. That's what <laughs> right. I like to hear. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. We also have other team-focused NBA podcasts, including Knock a Few Buck, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Hashtag Lakers, and Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, too, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. We'll move on here. We got some drafters to talk about as well. Um, just kind of talking about, you know, the guys the Cavaliers are likely to target. Um, John Hollinger, in a recent mock draft at The Athletic, had the Cavaliers taking Obi Toppin, big surprise there. Um, he Hollinger has said that he has heard that the Cavs are down to Obi Toppin or Denny Avdia as their two final draft targets. This may or may not be true, and I don't doubt that those guys are on the Cavs list. Um, Fedor has also noted that Onyeka Kongu and Isaac Okoro were on that list as well at number five. Um, we'll just kind of start in here and talk about Obi Toppin a little bit. He has worked out for the Cavs. He's also worked out for the Knicks, Hornets, and Wolves. Dan, do you think that there's any chance that Obi Toppin is off the board by the time he gets to the Cavs? <sighs> um, I would say pretty slim chance. I, I don't see. I, yeah, I I don't I don't see that being too likely now. I think you know of those teams listed. Obviously, the Cavs could take him at number five. I don't think he's going to slip past the Knicks at number eight. I think they have their eyes on him if he's there. Um, and as as far as other teams, I mean, if Minnesota trades back, I think that Obi Toppin makes some sense there, but I don't think they're going to take him at number one. And I don't think the Hornets are going to take him unless Onyeka Kongu and James Wiseman are off the board. So, again, I was kind of hoping that maybe the Bulls would be one of these teams in the race. It doesn't seem like they are. Maybe that, maybe that ends up changing. Um, yeah, also considering that the Bulls are rumored to be more fans of Lowry than Wendell Carter Jr. I I think that really kind of more um, exits them from that conversation. You're probably right there. I mean, the Cavaliers have Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr. and Andre Drummond and maybe Tristan Thompson. But hey, we, we need Obi Toppin as well. Um, talking in a recent interview, you were saying that um, he believed that he showed the Cavs that he can shoot the ball and that his versatility or and his versatility and athleticism and his workout, he wants to be selected by a team that fits him best and those around him, whether that's first or thirtieth. And he thinks that Cleveland would be cool, so he went to Dayton. So I'm going to ask you this: Does he want to go to a team that will fit him, or does he want to go to the Cavs? Because he kind of seems to be, um, he kind of seems to be. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but saying two Closer different things. Family. I, I, I kind of get what you're saying with that being from Dayton thing. Um, I think what would be best for Obi would probably be to go to a team that fits him 
And I just don't think that's the Cavaliers because I feel like if you're OB, you probably want a team that's defensive orientated and a team where, because on the Cavs, we don't, we don't know what his role would be. He probably wouldn't be a top three, four option on the team. You got, you got, of course, Colin Sexton and Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, potentially Darius, if Kevin Porter Jr. makes a leap, it's just too much going on right there. But a team that fits him looking in the top 12, the Suns, depending on, you know, how much of growth uh, DeAndre Ayton makes to his defense, he's up and kill Bridges. Personally, I think the best fit for him is the Spurs, just because they have, of course, they're a great defensive team. And I feel like the Spurs kind of want to go into a, a rebuild because there's talks about maybe a LaMarcus Aldridge trade, uh, DeMar DeRozan trade. Maybe we could see the Spurs look to trade up. I'm, I'm not sure. But I feel like, you know, for him, the perfect team would be the Spurs. Just the Cavs, it just, I don't know. The Cavs fit. I feel like if the Cavs were to take Obi, it'd have to be a corresponding move to to get off of Kevin Love because I just don't see where the minutes would come from. He's not really, you know, mobile enough to play that three, so he'd probably be stuck at that four position, and that's where the Cavs have. Of course, you know, Larry Nance is, you know, he's played the three, he's played the four, he's played some five, but I feel like that just created, you know, a, an unnecessary logjam that the Cavs could easily avoid. One thing that I saw on Twitter today that I found kind of funny, just talking about, you know, obviously Obi Toppin's a natural power forward, but just with the possibility of him playing center, I know he's somebody who can add weight, but as of right now, he basically has the same height, weight, and wingspan as Chris Middleton. And this is somebody that you're going to be playing at the five. Dan, what do you think of of Obi's long-term ability and potential to play the five spot? (laughs) Well... Yeah, I, I don't know. Just looking at basically, um, like you look at his draft stuff, um, Spencer Perlman of S- the Stepien kind of like his breakdown is that um, you would think that Obi is a guy that will probably look to gain functional weight, um, you would think. But the problem is, if he does that, does he – you would think that there's a bit of concern could – I mean, he already has – lack of fluidity is a key issue, um, especially off the ball and kind of rotating the shooters when needed, which is obviously such an important thing. But also, if he gains added weight to help him on the interior, A, he doesn't... The defensive IQ is a massive concern, not really a natural guy rotating inside. Um, And B, he'd probably be even more of an issue in terms of pick and roll coverage, uh, kind of rotating the shooters if he has to gain weight also. So that's kind of like a twofold issue. Um, I think the, the key with him, I, I understand he has offensive polish. I get that, but against NBA bigs and I, like, is he really like, there was, he had such a huge volume as a roller um, at, at Dayton. And I, I do question, like, is he really going, like, is is he really going to be a viable catch-and-shoot guy, like, on any kind of volume at the next level? I don't know. Um, it's, the shot, it, like, it, it's okay. It, like, it's solid, I mean, based on the percentages. But it's, ugh, it, it's hard to say because th- he has some really bad misses, like at times, like, re- like where it doesn't yeah. even like really off. And he's, 
not like he's he's just stiff uh, uh, on both ends on the interior. And I just question, like, if is he a guy that if he gets doubled a lot, like if he gets cut off, it's he'll throw like like he'll have very like awful turnovers. And it's it's hard to say because he I, I think for him, he needs to become a viable rim protector. That's that's going to be key. Like, I just think with him, he could be really played off the floor in closing stretches. I think that's a key problem. Um, eventually, if he's going to be that guy for you. And the problem is, everybody wants to compare him to Amari Stoudemire. Amari Stoudemire was a, like, was a, a pick-and-pop threat, like, and was a, I mean, he, he had more of, like, shake, at least, had more handle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I, I, that comparison to me, I just, I'm just not a fan of. I don't think that's, you're, you're putting a lot on, on. I don't buy into that. And the problem is, is he nearly the athlete of like John Collins? John Collins, like John Collins, has change of direction ability even for a big. Yes. And Obi, like running down the like he's good in transition, like fine, but like on ball, he's. I, I just think it, it the against NBA bigs not playing in that conference. I, I just question how efficient he honestly can be. I think you made a good point in that he's, he's stiff. He just yeah. kind of looks stiff when he's on the floor. And he does have verticality. You know, I mean, he's another guy who's a lob throw. I think, you know, pick and rolls. I think I think that OB will get there as a pick and pop guy. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, a knockdown shooter. But I think he's going to be capable throughout his career. Yeah, that's and fine. Like I, said, I think, you know, you can buy into the potential of him being a rim protector just because, again, I think he's, he's big enough. And I think – yeah. The verticality is there with him. It's just he is that, so that, stiff, that, and that can be t- like playing with verticality. Honestly, like that can be taught more than being able to be viable on the perimeter. Because I, I just I don't buy into him being able to do that. It's just hard if it's not there yet, nor any signs of it. And playing at Dayton, it's not like he was playing at Michigan State. Like he's already I just, twenty-two. I, also. Yeah, he's already twenty-two. Already two gonna 19. be gonna be 20 like this is a guy that you want to draft fifth overall or may you would think maybe like in the top 10 if there's a trade down it's not like you're it's not like dylan windler situation when he was the 27th pick like and you know that you know what windler is his floor is this is a guy that you want as a is a kevin love replacement given all these concerns like i it's just it's just hard to wrap your head around yeah i'm just what are you saying now, dude? I'm just – my whole thing is just he's 22 years old. I mean, how much better can his defense get? You know, if right. he was 18, 19, I'm all for it. And number five, yes, 100%. But, man, he's what, a day younger than Jason Tatum, I think? That's just I, – I just have to pass. Yeah. Well, one final note here on Obi Toppin that I had. He said that he has been working on his body and on his fundamentals – and that he has been working out with different NBA players, which, in his words, has allowed him to work on his defense and defensive versatility. So, obviously, every prospect is going to say that they're working on defense. You know, not anything to buy into too much, but at least we know he's trying. We'll move on here to another prospect that has been in interviews here lately. Isaac Okoro, um, he has worked out for the Cavs, Warriors, and Wolves. And obviously, there are a bunch of teams that are interested in him. He's worked out with it. Or he's, he's been interviewed by a bunch of teams. 
One interesting note that's come out of this today here is that he feels like he went into workouts with people feeling that his offense was his weakness, and he says that they left, or that he left with them knowing it was one of his strengths. Called his jump shot in college a C-plus because it was a flat shot, says after he's been working on it, it he called it a B-plus jump shot, bordering on an A. So, um, I don't know. Do you? We'll start with you on this one, Amadou. Do you do buy that his jump shot has improved? And I, I guess I buy that you know, he's worked on his mechanics and that the shot might be looking a little bit more fluid, but do you think it's at that point where there's a, a sizable difference between, you know, just whether he's going to make it at the next level already? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree that, of course, he's been working on his shot, but, I mean, to go from a, a C to a in borderline A, that that's a huge, huge, huge improvement. Um, I, just don't I would know if argue, by the way, right. real quick, that Okoro was more of a D- minus yeah. than a C, but... Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, uh, but um, man, that big of a jump, I, I, I just think he's he's kind of gassing himself a little bit there. Um, his shot is gonna be interesting, you know. Of course, it's different, you know, shooting in a gym, an open gym, or whatever, to, you know, going into basketball because, of course, you know, there's there's people around you, you know, you have people closing out on you, and so it's such like that, you know, it's a big difference. I just. <sighs> I, I feel like this is just him just gassing himself quite a bit. It just that that much improvement in what what was it three four months five months? <laughs> yeah, I, I I just don't know. I I just don't know. Where are you at on this one, Dan? Well, I'll say this. Um, yeah, C. You know, C plus is probably a little high. Um, just because it, there's like next to no pull-up shooting ability that he showed at, at Auburn that that to me like like people when they say shooting like it to me it's catching shooting it like if he can be viable in that way in coming years like be like in like a 34 percenter range that's okay um on that way but like I mean he he plays in the 56 percentile on spot ups which is not any like that's nothing to like write home about but it shows that there's at least a path to viability for him on spot ups, which is honestly okay to me. Um, but I'll say this also like him, like when prospects say like app actually say a C plus, like to me, I'll listen to him a little bit more because that's at least admitting, admitting it's, it wasn't a strength. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's and a fair point. How, like Obi Toppin did like, if he said my de- my defense went from a C plus, that that to me would be a lot more outlandish because that was probably a D minus, and like that's why I actually take this with uh, like a little. I consider it more, um, and yeah, like an, a borderline A. Come on, man! Like that's that's not yeah, real. That's that's that's, huge that's a lot. That's I, I don't know what what teacher he i don't know what curve he he's getting on that test (laughs) but but i think it's just to me it reinforces that the calves with what they've done with jetty with what they've done with larry and like colin coming into the draft if you would like if somebody said to me he'd shoot 39.2 percent through his first two years from deep I would have said you're like pigs are flying in that possibility. Like nobody saw that coming. And with Okoro's reported work ethic, with him being having a relationship with Colin, I, I think I, like I buy into it more than probably a lot of people do. I, I think it's encouraging. Yeah. 
100%. Another thing I, I want to say about, you know, what you're saying there, Amadou. I just see it as encouraging, too. But, you know, this yeah. it's just a... Man, that curve is crazy. C to an A? <laughs> oof. Oof. One thing I do want to say real quick, just, you know, on that note, was that he was saying that he came into workouts, you know, with people thinking that his offense was a weakness and he left with people thinking it was a strength. I do just want to keep stressing the fact that I do believe in Okoro's game on the offensive end everywhere but that shot. And I think that that shot can at some point get to a level of respectability, but he is, I, I think, someone who has a complete offensive package outside of that shot. Yeah, so I and- just want to say that. Yeah, and I, I yeah, exactly. Um, you hit the nail on the head there. And I mean, he he's a guy that is a I mean, he's a solid playmaker. Again, we didn't see it much at Auburn, but really could help in that way. Um, and he's he's an elite finisher. You can't discount that. He's gonna a guy. I mean, he's a guy that you want to shoot him, see him shoot better from the line. But he'll create he'll draw a lot of fouls. Like that frame will allow him to do that. And. Another thing that, like, I think I've said this before, or maybe Amadou did, but, it, like, he's a guy that, I think he's a guy you could really use as a roller. I think that's an underappreciated part of his game. He, he's he's such a good finisher, and he can, if he gets a switch out, which, I mean, you'd think he could get switch outs and that possibility. Um, mm-hmm. if, yeah. if you send a 1-3 pick and roll, he he's a guy, like, he'll, he'll bully, honestly, even threes, I think a fair amount of the time. So, he's a guy that, is a viable um, post-up presence uh, it, it, in that way too on occasion. So that 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 matters to me as well. One final thing to say about Okoro from his interviews is that he said that it would be awesome to play with Colin Sexton, who is somebody that he played against in high school. So, you know, some sort of former relationship there, I think, you know, is something that would bode well and just someone who I, I really feel like would just fit perfectly into the culture this team I, is trying to build. I just love the, the energy that those two would bring. It, it'd be amazing. It really would be. Again, please, please, Cavaliers. Yes. Oh, I just, uh, this draft is so close, and I I just want them to draft a Coro so bad. But anyway, we'll move on here. Um, we don't have as much information on Avdia, but we can talk about him a little bit here. Um, he hasn't shared all the teams that he's working out for. Um, he did say that he doesn't really care where he goes as long as the team maximizes his potential. And um, just one other note on him is he said that he has been speaking to former Cav Omer Caspi every day on transitioning to the NBA. I, obviously both Israeli, so interesting little nugget there. Where are you guys at with Denny Avdia? I guess we can start with you on this one, Dan. Um, it, Avdia is a guy that could affect the game in a number of ways. Uh, I think the, the question is with him is, is he obviously like what kind of on-ball potential does he have? I, I think there's I think the ceiling is probably higher for him than Okoro, just because we have seen glimpses of that shot um, work in game. Uh, I think he's a guy that potentially like has the makings of maybe like a, a future second option, uh, just because he he can create for himself a little bit more. I think uh, just because there's viability as, as a pull up shooter. Um, I, I think. It's it's hard to say like exactly what like I think there's some functional athleticism for him I I think uh it's it's just hard to say because he's gonna have to really unlock himself he's gonna have to I would think be able to hit catch and shoot uh, like I think for him I think what's key for for his growth is 
being able to shoot off movement. I think that's kind of like the differentiator for him. And I think he has that viability, really heady player. He's going to work, uh, work tirelessly. Um, I, I think he's a guy that JB Bickerstaff would like to use in a variety of ways as well. I, I'd be, I'd be more than fine with him. I can't say it'd be a home run pick for me. Like, I think those two would be kind of a, a Kongwu and a Koro as far as this draft. But again, a guy that, I'd be more than on board with. I'm kind of in the same boat as you there, Dan. I don't do anything to add here. Um, I'm not. I'm not really too high on Abdia. I think he's a fine player. I'd much rather have a core over him, but an Abdia pick, I, I wouldn't hate it, but I don't know if I'd, I'd really like it either. Well, according to Fedor, we have one more thing to just talk here a little bit about the draft. Is that the Cavaliers have also worked out RJ Hampton. Um, somebody that we really haven't talked about here on the podcast that much. Um, obviously, more of a combo guard, you know, that's kind of projected to go late lottery, mid first round. Do you guys think that somebody like a Hampton makes sense on this team? Obviously, this isn't somebody who's in consideration at number five. This would be in the event of a trade down, but it seems like this is somebody that the Cavs are at least very interested in, considering that they haven't worked out anybody else in this, you know, range of players. Where are you at with, um, with RJ Dan, uh, I'll say intriguing, but um, he, he's athletic, thrives in the open floor. Uh, I, I guess to me, uh, it's hard to make out of it. Uh, like to me, that's it's like I, he strikes me as kind of like a poor man's Killian Hayes. I guess to me, um, it's uh, I, I don't I don't really love Hampton honestly. Uh, I just think. Like, I, I guess to me that means you're looking to move Garland if you draft RJ down the road, but I, I just, I don't love the shooting. I, I think that's a key key weakness for him. I question if he's going to be able to really maximize his explosiveness by being able to shoot. I, I Like, we've seen more, like, I, I just think Hayes can, uh, I just think has more potential as a playmaker as well. I think he's a headier defender. Um, Hampton, I just think with the Cavs, I just I don't think it's it's it's. I think there's a possibility of Dante Exum too much for me with Hampton. That's that was going to be my player count for him. Yeah, yeah, me too. So where you at with him in general, Amadou? To see somebody who you think I don't know. I've seen I've seen people compare him to like. Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't really see it. I don't think no, that the shot's going to translate in the way that that Levine's has. I see him as more of a – obviously, you know, we've been robbed of, you know, the full down to some due to injuries, but I see him being more in that mold of type of player. Is there any disagreement there? No, nah, I'd have to agree with you right there. Honestly, I, I think this is just a cash just maybe doing their due diligence, you know, just, just to see. Honestly, I don't, I don't really see it as anything more. Yeah, and that's fair. Again, I think this is somebody who would be in play in a trade down scenario. I don't. Obviously, this isn't somebody who's in play at number five. Um, any other final thoughts here on the draft in general before we move on from either of you? Uh, I just like the Knicks. Russell Westbrook. What in the hell? Yeah. What are they thinking with that one? I mean, goodness. What are you talking about here? Um, basically, uh. Kevin O'Connor reported that he's hurt. Basically, I think there's been 
I don't know if there's been discussions, but oh. they're interested, and in, I think the Clippers in trading for Westbrook. I, I just well, I don't here, actually here, 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 hold on, a just a second. Actually requested a trade. This idea. was yeah, this was about ten minutes ago. Russell Westbrook huh. wants out of Houston. So, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Hmm. This is coming up on Friday, so this will be this will be old news to everybody future. by the time this goes up. But um, Russell Westbrook is asking for a trade to the Cavaliers. Everybody, no <laughs> surprise. Could we see the Cavs, you know, in a potential, you know, three-team trade? Would, would you be, you know, inclined to taking on some extra money? Maybe. You know, his contract is pretty big, so I don't know how much, you know, if they can they, get for him. A three-team trade with Russell coming to Cleveland? No, 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 no. Oh, like, or just being the third team in a yeah, deal. Yeah. I mean, that's a possibility, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, hey, bring on the assets. I, I love bringing more assets on onto the team. I'm 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think if the Cavaliers are an opportunity to to be a facilitator and they can get something, I think that's obviously something they should do. Um, don't trade for Russell Westbrook, obviously. Um, another little bit of news here that we got while we've been recording. Speaking about you know just the possibility of fans being in stands. Apparently, the Lakers are not going to have fans in at home games for them for this at least for the beginning of their season. So I wonder if that's going to become a trend where teams just aren't going to let fans in the stands, period. Well, I mean, it's just it, – I would think that it's it's got to be like a state state issue um, just like based on how the NFL has done it with – I mean, California with COVID is – I mean, that's, just that's based on population density that I would think yeah. they'll have that for the nth degree. Yeah. It said we'll be without fans until further notice, further notice for the 2020 – 21 season. So, interesting stuff there. One more thing I did want to get in here into here before we get out of here. Um, talks about um, granting two-way contracts or two-way players more than 45 NBA days. That's something that I thought was kind of interesting just because, again, that'll grant teams a little bit more versatility, a little bit more flexibility with rosters. Um, I think that we're – obviously, at this point, I think we're going to have a G League season. There's been you know talk about it. Potentially, maybe or maybe not happening. I think it is going to happen. This seems clear at this point. But um, what do you guys think, Amadou? What do you think of the addition of more days on an NBA roster for two-way players? I like it. Um, you know, of course, just keep it. It gives teams, you know, more chance or yeah, more of a chance to see what a player has, the potential that a player has. Again, you know, the season is going to be kind of weird. It's starting late. I just like it. I like it. I like like them, you know, looking at the G-Leaguers as well as, you know, the main, you know, NBA players, of course. All right. So Ooh, with this with this with this new opportunity, Amadou, is this the Matt Mooney breakout season? Uh, <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll bet for it. Why not? Why not? Dan, you in? Um, break, breakout season in what in what way exactly? In like. Whatever, how, how how do you want to interpret it? That's how that that's the way. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bonafide bona NBA rotation player. Uh, I would say like can show he can be salary filler in trades. Maybe I I don't know. Sure, sure. Like anybody on the Cavs is, is prone to doing that. I, I, I hope player. the best for Matt Mooney. I honestly do. I just I don't know how he gets any real minutes in, in the NBA. I just I I, I really don't. No, um, I don't know. Like I said, he's, he's gonna have. Th- this might be a perfect opportunity to, for him to show something that he's been working on that we don't know about. Well, you could get a Matt Mooney City jersey. I'll, you can you can do that. That that's a good point. Yeah, I mean I might have to. But um, 
It's about the... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is Matt Moody... How many, how many games do they usually wear the city jerseys? I'm trying to think. I think it's like... Wear, I want to say like eight, maybe. Only eight games that they wear the city jerseys? I think that's about it. Out of 41, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's true. Almost, I guess it's a condensed season. I mean, it's almost twenty so. percent. Well, I'm, well, yeah. I'm saying like in a normal span. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think. Is there even a chance? Like, do we think that Matt Moody will be on the floor in a city jersey at any point in the season? Um, what are the odds? What are the odds? Ugh. Man, I mean, uh, I, mean, I, I would take that bet. Why not? I would think. I mean, there's probably a possibility that like one of the guards gets hurt, something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess so. We'll have to see what what the hell they look like. I mean, clearly, but yeah, I I'm not trying to. Yeah, I mean, maybe like a Matt Mooney city jersey you could eventually use as like a like a like a like an Ante's is its jersey, like a dish rag or something like that <laughs> to like to like yeah. clean your apartment or house maybe later yeah. on. I, I don't know. Uh. All right, well, here's another little bit of news. James Harden remains committed to the Rockets, so the Cavs can't trade for both of them. Um, tough. Tough luck. That's that's disappointing. But anyway, any, anything else from either of you before we get out of here? Yeah, um, maybe they could uh, try to get a future asset for from the Knicks to try to, like, get Bronny down the road. I, I don't know. <laughs> Imagine that. that. That would be great. That would be great. The Knicks would love nothing more than to get LeBron there, so. Anyway. But, um um, with that, thank you everybody so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed, please subscribe, leave a nice five-star rating, review, all that good stuff. Um, thank you so much, Amadou and Dan, for coming on. Always of course, fun. as always. By the way, and, shout out to Obi's dad, who is, is a streetball legend, for the record. Well, you're just going to end like that? Well, hold on. How is, how is Obi's dad a streetball legend? What, who is he? Who did he play for? Uh... Or, where did he play? His name was I, I think he just went by Obadiah and he was basically like known to be a big dunker. And actually I saw in Fedor's Obi article today, or this is as of Wednesday, that he was in a Gatorade commercial in two thousand six uh huh? against Vince Carter and hmm? I can't remember the other two. But he's featured in that, so Well the more you know. All right. With that, thank you everybody out there so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you all. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.